word on veganism, debunking, dispelling, and discussing all things related to the vegan way of life. A word on veganism. Welcome to another episode of A Word on Veganism. I'm Andy Levy. On previous episodes in this series, we've spoken about veganism from a dietary and hormonal perspective, as well as having had a discussion about the detrimental impact that the animal agriculture industry has on the environment. Plant-based nutritional alternatives to the meat industry have also been featured in the discussions uh, along the way on various episodes on this particular series called A Word on Veganism. And as the world's population is expected to reach 9 billion by 2050, a clear movement towards a vegan lifestyle is the most effective way because it will reduce pressure on our environment and may be absolutely crucial to our survival as a species. On this episode, we discuss life as a vegan, the pros and cons ranging from what they consider to be the best transitioning methods to getting over the health-related speed bumps along the way and navigating social spaces that don't necessarily cater to vegans. Now, joining me in studio are chef, businesswoman and author Antonia DeLuca, who you might know from a popular vegan and vegetarian restaurant called Leafy Greens in Johannesburg, as well as someone who can also teach you how to bake the most delicious vegan cakes and treats. That's Zachta Prinslu, also known as The Veganist. If you want to know how to make a perfectly bound cake without using an egg, do it the vegan way. Zachta has the secret ingredients for exactly that. Antonia, you grew up in a vegetarian household and you've worn the healthy and sustainable lifestyle badge in many aspects, including being a gut health advocate. You also talk about detoxing, also getting rid of sugar from one's lifestyle and also advocating growing your own food. Take us through the transition process from having been vegetarian and then deciding to go completely vegan. Okay, so when I was 12, my family um, turned vegetarian and it was a very easy transition for me because we always lived on our organic farm at, you know, where Castlinga Nifi Greens is and we had beautiful gardens and we always ate a lot of vegetables and fruit from our garden. So it was very easy for me. I did get teased a little bit at school because my school lunch boxes had like pumpernickel bread in with avo and rocket and (laughs) fruit salad with like cashew cream on. Sounds delicious to me. (laughs) It was really nice. Um, But yeah, so it was a little bit tough growing up in those like early years being teased and that, but I always felt great. I exercised very heavily at school and my mom made sure she always packed enough food for me. And so it was very easy. I always um, was strong and fit and very well. Varsity days, you always take a bit of a wobble, you know, lots of drinking, lots of partying. And so I was eating things that I wouldn't normally eat um, meat things and then um, after varsity I had an opportunity to go to the states and I started just immersing myself like in everything vegan and raw and because I loved cooking and I loved plant-based food it was still a passion of mine even though I'd veered off the path a little bit and then I went
went to this place in Florida called Hippocrates and I did this three-week life change program. And that's kind of like a wonderful transitional program that you would do to, you know, detox and clean your body and clean your palate and clean your mind to mm. be able to then, you know, want to put beautiful plant-based food into your body primarily. So that's when I turned vegan vegan. So that was 2010. For those first seven years or so of having leafy greens, I was pretty strict vegan. And then I wanted to fall pregnant. And I know this whole concept of every seven years, every single cell in your body is new. So that is the, the kind of period that you want to really clean everything out and truly detox every inch of your being. And I was in a pretty good state at that point in time, but I did have a couple of health concerns. Mm. Um, I had candida, I had a little bit of leaky gut, I had H. pylori, a lot of the things that you struggle with as, you know, as a normal person walking down the street. But I had terrible weakness. I was in bed for a couple of weeks and then I had approached my nutritionist and my preconception planner, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> and um, I'd done a whole bunch of blood tests, stool tests. Um, I'd been for skiotherapy. And I was not looking good in terms of my vitamin and mineral profiles mm -hmm. and my wellness, my overall wellness. And I was eating all this organic food from our garden, but something was lacking for me. They both were quite long-term friends of mine. And they both said, look, you can go on tons of preggy supplements and take lots of pills and things but mm. I really recommend that perhaps you just veer slightly from a vegan diet because my iron was on the floor as well terribly anemic and I'd been supplementing so I did vegan properly I did it organically I did it raw um, and and I had lots of supplements all the time and my body was not absorbing iron at all so this is where a lot of like guilt and terrible feelings and thoughts and things came in for myself because I was like, oh my gosh, how can I not be vegan? Like everyone knows me as Antonia, the vegan from Leafy Greens. Mm. Like how can I get past that? It was a difficult time for me. I started just eating eggs from our own chickens on the farm so I know what they eat because for me, the core of the vegan lifestyle that I was living was about health and wellness and nutrition, organic food and that type of thing. So that's when I started coming slightly off the vegan path but that said, I'm still an advocate of plant-based foods and it's what I eat now. 99.9% .9 of the time but I am now in a really beautiful balanced state with less guilt and less anxiety over what I put in my mouth and yet I still choose vegan food over anything else. Disclaimer you can still follow a vegan diet while being pregnant. For more information about that refer to episode one of this A Word on Veganism series. Zachta, our baker lady, you were also a vegetarian to begin with. And then while on holiday, you decided more change had to happen. I grew up in a small town, plotland, farming, meat-eating community. By the time I went to university, I realized that there were other choices, other options, and I started investigating becoming vegetarian. So it was a big shock to everyone in my life. So people didn't understand, and what do you eat? What are you, what are you supposed to eat? What, what should be cooking you, for you? So 20 years down the line, I actually started watching a lot of vegan and pita propaganda, probably. And specifically, <laughs> there was one video. We went on holiday and I was watching a lot of the videos. And the one was around people giving milk samples in a supermarket. Everybody was drinking these milk samples and saying how delicious and milky and creamy and great tasting it was. And they were just wanting to know what exactly it was. 
people could say, oh, what do you think it is? No, they don't know what it is. And then they started telling them, no, it's dog's milk. Oh, it's dog's milk. Oh, no. Shock, horror. All mammals create milk um, and that milk can go in your coffee and you can drink it. So I actually just realized how hypocritical I've been being vegetarian, but not actually considering the harm that other animal derived products uh, do to those animals. I'm an ethical vegan. I'm vegan for the animals. There's a lot of reasons to be vegan. You can be for your health, for the environment. I am for the animals. I don't believe that I am more important than any other sentient being. Fortunately, I'm very healthy, so I don't maybe have the same experiences, but I would not be able to go back. This is the choice I've made. I don't want to hurt anybody else. It's my karma. It's my choice. And how many years have you been strictly vegan for now? Three years. So 20 years vegetarian, three years as vegan. And Antonia, you spent seven years as a vegan. Yeah, seven years and vegetarian for, oh my gosh, I don't know, from age 12 to age 21. Those are Antonia and Zachter's personal journeys summarized. I asked them to provide practical tips that someone can use if they are considering becoming vegan. For me, the number one thing would be to detox first because the foods that we're eating on a daily basis, white flours, white sugars, pasteurized dairy products that are full of hormones and things that our body can't digest that are causing a lot of acid, lots of coffee, those types of things, unbalance your adrenals, unbalance your hormones. So to do a detox cleans your palate out and helps you to want to crave things that are healthier, that are green, that are raw, that are plant-based, you know, that are organically grown. So for me, that's a very, very important place to start. And I practice detoxing every single day of my life in little ways. The body detoxes itself from 2 a.m. in the morning until 11 a.m. So that's when I drink, you know, your lemon with water, green juices, lots of fruit, a little bit of nut butter if I'm going to the gym for energy but really cleansing and allowing your body to cleanse and detox during that period. But most of us wake up, we've had a really heavy, cheesy, meaty dinner. We then hung over, we exhausted. So then we have a coffee, which is which stimulates us, but only for a little while. So then it drops the blood sugar and then you need something else that's sugary to lift it up. And so you get caught in this vicious cycle of just unhealthy food. To detox really helps you to reset and to start off a good platform, I feel. For me, um, I think it, it also depends on where you're coming from. So why are you vegan where you're coming from? So if you're coming from um, purely meat eating, I would suggest maybe trying to cut out specific meat. So start maybe with the red meat, then go to chicken, then go to fish. So start cutting out the most, I almost want to say harmful <laughs> proteins and then start cutting out the eggs and the milk and the rest of it. If you're coming from being a vegetarian, I think try and have some of the days in the week being vegan until you've got more vegan days and vegetarian days and eventually you'll be fully vegan. But I also think educate yourself in terms of what protein are you getting in, what additional supplements do you need and where can you find the stuff that you actually need to have. So make it easy for yourself. And also I think especially somebody that's transitioning from a meat eating diet be kind to yourself and make sure that you actually eat the stuff that you like to eat. So you know what? If you if you like a burger and you like the taste of meat, go and get a Beyond Burger wherever it's the closest place to get it and eat that. I'm of the kind opinion. Be kind to yourself and go slowly. Go one step at a time. You'll get there. Initiatives such as Meat Free Mondays and Veganry, which is an organization and charity started in the UK in 2014, encourage people to go vegan. 
The veganry movement begins in January each year, and during the 2019 veganry campaign, in the UK alone, the organization had more than 25,000 people signing up, more than 500 brands, restaurants, and supermarkets promoted the campaign and about 200 new vegan products and menus were launched. However, social gatherings often cater to the wants of the majority. And you'll sometimes hear South Africans saying South Africans love their meat. So much so that we've even given Heritage Day on the 24th of September the nickname Braai Day. It becomes part of the social fabric where the Braai has had songs written about it. There are TV shows made about it. Campaigns across industries shape their September around this day. It certainly is an important day on the calendar. Sports matches are considered nothing without a, a buri and beer. So how do vegans then deal on a social level with the othering and the scrutinizing of having your guard up as you navigate non-vegan spaces and prevent FOMO? Don't hammer on being vegan. They feel bad because they're eating meat. They feel bad because they know actually what goes on in the production of meat. They almost want to defend themselves. Just tell them, you know what, I'm okay with the fact that you're not vegan. I'm okay with the fact that you are interested in why I'm vegan and, and I want to talk to you about it, but I don't want to start an argument. So if you go with delicious food and a friendly attitude, I think you'll be fine. I'll second that, and that's the goal that I've always had at Leafy Greens, is just to create a space where people can come and eat vegan food and realize like how delicious it is. And I know you also make beautiful vegan desserts, and I think when, when, when it comes down to just delicious, wholesome food that makes you feel satisfied and full and nourished, people are convinced. Mm. For my opinion with the braai as well, that is where possibly a little bit more flexibility would come in for me. So like if there was salads on offer, for example, and the one was like a Greek salad, I would just dish up the Greek salad and like take a little bit of the feta out on the side, you know, and try and not make other people feel so uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, that's not your problem. That's their story, mm -hmm. really. And if it, if it is your good friends and that, then they'll be more understanding. I always offer to bring a dish and that'll always be something vegan. And then I always make sure that I eat before I come. And I know that a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you'll ruin your, you know, you'll ruin the event or you'll ruin your appetite. But that way, at least even if you just have a big salad, you won't arrive and go all for the bread and be really mm -hmm. salivating because you're so hungry. So those are my two little tips. I think it also depends on the event. I have amazing family and friends and they're all very considerate and also veg curious. So they always want to know what are the options, what are the other options that they can actually have at a braai. So some of the herbivore products I can really recommend. So if you want to have meat substitutes like ribs or burevort or steak or any of those things, you actually want to almost feel like the otherness is less. So you have the same, but just a substitute product. You can definitely go for one of those options. But then I also think that you can make a lot of amazing uh, like bean patties and stuff that you can take with and you can share with everybody else. And, and you'll be amazed at how many people actually eat it and love it. And you can refer to episode two of this A Word on Veganism series to find out more about vegan food alternatives, such as vegan burgers, like the increasingly popular Beyond Burger. Perfect for any braai. And on a business front, plant-based meat and animal products that mimic the real thing 
are on the rise. We've got mainstream franchises and grocery stores the world over seeing the business sense in catering for those who are vegan. Even the world's largest pork processor, Smithfield Food, have launched a plant-based protein portfolio and popular UK bakery Greggs will now be focusing on vegan-friendly products since the boost that it saw in business when the chain launched the vegan sausage roll in January 2019. Barclays have also predicted that the plant-based food market will be worth as much as $140 billion in 10 years. In South Africa, the movement is also growing. Google Trends data has shown a rise in vegan-related search terms, putting South Africa among the top 30 countries in the world where veganism was most popular. And South Africa also tops the list on the continent. And the provinces with the highest number of vegans, the Western and Eastern Cape. In Gauteng, however, we've got Antonia and Zachter, who are adding their delicious touch to the growth of the vegan community and the vegan business sector. Snacks such as biltong, chocolate, biscuits and cakes are often missed when one adopts a vegan lifestyle, but there are vegan alternatives to these snacks. Antonia and Zachta tell us about their respective brands, including the elusive egg replacement, as well as this delicious faux biltong. So that's what I call a nori wand. Um, I package that under my brand, Antonia's Botanicals. I was never really a sausage eater as such, but mm. um, I missed, you know, a kind of biltong-like snack. And it's got sunflower seeds inside, so it's really high in omega-3s. The seaweed is very high in iodine and iron and trace minerals, which a lot of us lack and don't focus on. We focus on carbs, fat, and protein mm. um, when it comes it comes down to the minerals, which are um, absolutely vital. And then I've bought two meals for us today because I know you're super hungry, Andy. Yes. Um, so that is a cauliflower and kale wrap. So it's a low-carb wrap that is gluten-free as well. And inside is um, falafels and hummus, tomato and lettuce and our cashew cream sauce um, and there's a little bit of extra cream sauce on the side there. So really delicious, nutritious food that is just so satisfying that you won't even notice that there's missing meat. And then this side is our Buddha bowl and there's rice noodles and beetroot hummus and also falafels and tofu and sprouts and roasted peppers. And this is the type of food that I eat for lunch on a daily basis. Lots of greens, lots of raw, super nutritious. And then here, um, I've got a little sweet pack of my coconut cashews, which are also just cashews with coconut and coconut nectar over them. So there are lots of amazing snacks that you can have. I do find that the snacks are normally a little bit more expensive and more of your kind of luxury items. And that's why I do my best go-to snack is a pack of grapes, <laughs> which you can pick up anywhere. Obviously, you just want to wash them properly because they're normally sprayed quite heavily. Um, but yeah, fruit is always, whenever I'm craving sugar, I always just go to fruit first. And normally with one date or something, you can satisfy your craving, which is quite amazing. So I'm baking the world vegan, one cake at a time. I specialize in, in desserts. Um, I brought some chocolate puddings today. It's a biscuit base with a mousse and then a cream on top. And we also do that in lemon and creme brulee and a couple of other flavors that we're working on. And then cakes. I do cakes mainly and then hopefully wedding cakes soon. So if you're planning a wedding, let me know. Have you had to sort of create some of these recipes yourself because, you know, we're so used to just grabbing normal milk, for instance, or eggs 
to yeah. bind ingredients with when you're baking particularly let me start in the eggs uh, and the egg replacements and and baking and i do think that the more people are enabled to actually be able to create their own vegan food and vegan treats the more they'll be eating vegan so i do a half day baking course where you do the substitutes for eggs specifically i think is the is the most intricate one to substitute when you're baking um and then milk and butter so for egg you get a commercial egg replacer ogren that actually on the package gives you how much of the powder plus the water gives you a full egg or a egg white or a yolk of egg i think my two or three go to options for egg would be flax so flax and water creates a good egg replacer for something like when you're baking carrot cake and then definitely aquafaba so the aquafaba is the water that comes from a can of chickpeas so that's a very good replacer for egg white If you think about egg, what is egg? Egg is usually it's a protein and a liquid. So what are you trying to do? Are you trying to bind? Are you trying to rise? There's six or so egg replacers. Which one would work best? In terms of milk, I think soya is probably the easiest and the cheapest to go to. Uh, you can also do oat, or I would say almond. Almonds very tasty as well. And I'm not punting anyone, but uh, Flora's got a vegan butter. that I do bake with and do make buttercream with which I think is is a easy substitute that you can find anywhere from my side don't mind if I punt my own box because <laughs> the reason that I wrote them is because I was in the kitchen and I was creating these beautiful recipes and just the thought of them not being continued or not being mm. able to made but being made by other people was very sad for me so um I created the leafy greens cookbook first which is called recipes from our organic garden and that's 120 recipes that I created that is what you would eat if you eat the buffet or our our normal food from leafy greens a little bit italian inspired because I come from an italian family and obviously the garden <laughs> so um lots of ingredients that you would have in a normal household garlic tomato zucchini you know onions that olive oil stuff that is generally found there are some superfood smoothies and things but those are your more luxurious items mm. that can be had here and there where you would you know a normal a non-vegan eater would go out to a restaurant or buy their meat which is also not expensive and then my second book I created with a little bit more lifestyle advice and and knowledge and things that have worked for myself and my family so there's a bit of detoxing and cleansing and hormone balancing and tissue salts and essential oils and things that I um love and practice because throughout the years I have been asked to do quite a bit of health consulting and things for people and the restaurant has kept me so busy and my product range Antonia so I've struggled to do one-on-one consulting and provide you know menus individualized menus and things like that for people so these two books work as my kind of consulting I did train under a chef in the states called Matthew Kenny and you can google him his recipes are absolutely unbelievable and so tasty and just so beautiful you wouldn't even you know think that they were any different Once you go vegan you can go back evidently as you've heard in Antonia's case As the vegan movement grows so too do the sources of information There are online journals, magazines, verified websites, books, documentaries and podcasts to read, watch and listen to in order to get educated and for you to make informed decisions. Books like The Food Revolution by John Robbins, Farmageddon, Earthling, Cowspiracy, Dominion, What the Health. Those are just some of the books and documentaries that come to mind. What the point of this discussion and series at large was was to provide you with a guide to familiarize yourself with veganism 
even before transitioning. Learning the benefits of a vegan lifestyle and educating yourself about the practices and the costs behind the animal agriculture industry and its products. Now, when we say costs, we're not just referring to financial costs, but the costs of the planet and the oceans. There is a big difference between adopting a vegan lifestyle and following a dietary trend. When you know exactly why you want to be a vegan, plan your transition and remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And as both Antonia and Zachter said, be kind to yourself. Thank you for listening to A Word on Veganism. I'm Andy Levy. Thank you for listening to this podcast, A Word on Veganism. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review it on your favorite podcast app, livepodcasts.fm.